Why is it hardest to love the person who I love the most? Maybe it's because this kind of love is different. It's a choice. And not just one that I made when I said I do. It's one that I make every single day. When it's easy, when it's hard, when I want to and when I don't. I know I have a duty to do. My wife has put her life in my hands. I don't want to let her down. But to be honest, I'm not sure I'm living up to the hopes and dreams she had when she first said yes. This is hard. Sometimes it feels worth it. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I love, but it doesn't feel reciprocated. Sometimes I try, but only to find that what I offered wasn't what she needed. I want to be a godly husband, but I'm not even sure what that means. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you at church today, worshiping. I want to say everyone at the Mesa campus, South Mountain campus, Fountain Hills campus, online campus, good morning. It's good to uh, be with you today. I'm glad that we get to worship together. What a great time of worship. Where are the husbands at today? Husbands, show of hands at all of our campuses. How's it going? How's that working out? I know a lot of guys are asking that very question, like, how do I know if I'm doing a good job? That's what I want to talk about today. I want to help you to love your wife like Christ loved the church and grow in love for your wife. And when you get married, you take on a lot of responsibility. And some of you guys, like no one ever prepared you for that. And maybe you've made mistakes. None of us has been perfect, but we can all grow and get stronger together. Do you believe that? I'm going to say some stuff today that might be a little hard for some of you to hear, but just know that I'm speaking as a pastor who loves you and want, he wants God's best for you. I'm glad that I get to pastor in a church that values the word of God more than political correctness. Aren't you glad for that? So I want to help you guys get better at loving your wives today. We're going to talk about a loving husband. Starting in Ephesians 5.21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does this mean? This is about heart posture, where both a husband and wife are looking to serve one another and sacrifice for the benefit of the other. It's like two people waiting to go through a door saying, After you. No, after you. I insist. As a husband, I want to use my authority, not in a demanding way, but to serve my family, even though I'm the leader of my family. If we're talking about where we're going to eat or where we're going to grab food from, Amy will say, whatever you want. That's a heart posture of mutual submission. But as her husband, I'll say to myself, well, I want in and out Burger, but I know you won't like that. So I'm going to pick something I know my wife will enjoy. That's mutual submission. That's submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amy will do my laundry because she wants to serve me. I will take out the trash because I want to serve her. Listen, we don't keep score. We don't demand our rights. It's not like I did this, so you need to do that. If your marriage has a scoreboard, you'll find out you both lost at the end of the day. Jesus commanded us to serve one another at church, which is a family. How much more should you serve one another in your actual family? Even though there's an authority structure in marriage, a husband and a wife, they have equal value as co-heirs of the favor and the grace 
of God. We see an example of this in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're equally glorified as God, but they operate in different roles. So a husband and wife are both equally valued by God, but they have different roles. And there's an authority structure in the Trinity. The Son, who is God, submits to the Father, who is God, and does his will. And the Father glorifies the Son. In marriage, both couples, uh, both in the couple, are recipients of God's grace, but voluntarily take on a heart posture of submission. So then Ephesians 5 goes on to explain what that looks like for husbands and for wives. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. We just set off all the political correctness alarm bells. They're sending the PC police to arrest me right now. What's Okay, we're going to try to get through this before they get here. So some wives will be like, no, I don't have to submit to my husband because you just read verse 21. And that said submit to one another. Well, this verse is telling you how to do that. As a wife, it's to submit to your husband. You actually do that. Uh, Some people will mistakenly try to explain this away and soften it to make it more palatable to the culture, and they'll say, well, it doesn't actually mean submit. It means respect. No, it it actually means what it said. (laughs) And if there was any confusion, then they give us the example of Jesus. Think about our relationship to Jesus. We're not saved because we respect him. Even the demons respect him. We're saved because we submit to him as our Lord and Savior. He's the head of the church, which is positional authority. And the husband is the head of his wife, which is a positional authority. Now, whenever I read this passage, I always feel uh, the room get tense and defensive. More than any other difficult subject I talk about. More than when I preach about hell. More than when I preach about money. Even more than when I mention that the Seahawks didn't even make the playoffs last year. People get awkward, like, ooh, and you know why that is? It's partially because that there have, there have been many bad men who have treated women badly. So a lot of Christian wives will struggle with this because it's like, well, yeah, but my husband isn't a good leader, so I'm, I'm the exception to the rule because this wouldn't work for me. This fear, ladies, goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden And the curse of sin. In Genesis 3.16, God said to the woman, And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Starting at the garden, part of the curse of sin is for wives, you would fear and resist submission to your husband out of fear. Like, yeah, well, if I submit to him, he's going to get me in trouble. We're going to have problems as a family. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so you think, well, I can't really submit to my husband. Or you think, well, okay, I'll, I'll I'll submit to him if I agree with his decision. It's not real submission. Just like a lot of Christians, they call themselves Christians, but they only obey the parts of the Bible that they like. Not actually submitted to God. And so you'll see a wife who bosses her husband around like he's just another boy that she has to take care of. But I want ladies to think about this. You can't treat your husband like a boy and then complain that he doesn't lead you like a man. And that's the dynamic in some marriages today. Let's be honest. It's easier for us to admit to our perfect Lord and Savior 
than it is for you wives to submit to your flawed husbands. Submitting to your husband is an act of faith, not in his perfection, but in God's perfect plan. Otherwise, what you're saying is, I, I know better than God. No thanks, God. I'll take it from here. I've got this. But God clearly established a hierarchy in the family, just like he did in his church. Jesus is the head of the church. It doesn't really matter if we agree with what Jesus said. He's God's son. It's his church. He's our Lord. In the military, we had a, a phrase, a saying, it doesn't really matter what you think about the man, we salute the rank. It's positional authority. So take note of this. Listen to what I'm about to say. In the military, we were expected to obey orders, but we were not required to obey an unlawful order. If someone commanded you to do something that was illegal, you were legally allowed to disobey that order. It's the same in marriage. If your husband is using his leadership position to abuse you or try to lead you into sin, ladies, you're not commanded by God to obey that or go along with that. Uh, that doesn't mean just because you think he's wrong about a situation, you don't have to submit to his leadership. You need to trust that God will bless you for honoring his word, even when it's hard. Sometimes it is hard. But I will say to husbands, it's wise to consider your wife's input and advice on any situation that involves your family. Only a fool would disregard his wife's opinion about a serious family matter. Now, now, sometimes, men, your wife might be wrong or she might be fearful. You need to have the cojones to make the right decision and do what's best for your family in that moment. The woke progressive world we live in today will say, OMG, that's oppressive. That's the patriarchy. Of course the Bible would say that. It was written by men. Well, it was penned by men, but it was inspired by God. And God knows what he's doing. So you, you can have a marriage like all your friends do and, and have a crappy marriage like the rest of the world does, or you can do it God's way and be blessed. And I'll tell you what, anytime you do things God's way, it always works out better, even if it's not always easier up front. Amen? Amen. Now, praise God uh, that me and Amy, we do have a very healthy and happy marriage. I'm not just saying that, okay? But I think in this area, we can be a good example of what this looks like. We've been married for 10 years now, and there's probably been maybe four, maybe five times when I've had to make like a final decision that Amy didn't like as the spiritual leader of our family. Because she is a godly woman, in those moments, she didn't throw a fit. She didn't huff and puff. She just said, okay. And in every one of those situations, I was asking her to do something that would bless her or protect her. Hear me on this. See, I would do things like I insisted she would rest more. I forced her to set some boundaries that would protect her from people who were trying to take advantage of her. I made her spend more money on herself. And every time she came back and she said, thank you. That's exactly what I needed. So watch, I didn't use my authority to force her to serve me. 
I use my authority to force her to let me serve her and protect her. See, one time she was wrestling with a really difficult decision, and as her husband, I had a really strong opinion about how this needed to go, but I didn't just issue a decree. This is it. No, end of discussion, final decision, right? That would not be loving. It would not be tenderhearted. So first I said, well, how do you feel? What are you thinking? What are your thoughts? And then I started talking about, this is what I think. This is why I think it. And I lovingly led her to understand my decision. I didn't just force it. It was a loving conversation where I eventually did make the final decision. And later she told me how in that moment she felt incredible peace having the weight of that decision taken off her shoulders. Some wives, you don't even realize why you're so exhausted. It's because you're trying to carry a burden that your husband was designed to shoulder. But you've got to let him be the leader of your family. Some ladies think you're protecting your family by not submitting to your husband, but it's actually hurting you and your family. And, and I'll be honest, this isn't like a millennial problem. I think I see the most problems with this with older wives in their 50s and 60s who resist their husbands and boss them around like a whip puppy dog, and the dude has learned it's just easier to go with it. And oftentimes those wives will use God as an excuse and they'll say, oh, I don't have to listen to him. I heard from the Holy Spirit directly myself. And the husbands, they're like, well, how do I argue with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> but listen, the Holy Spirit isn't going to contradict his own word and lead you to dishonor or disobey your husband. The way that we honor Jesus as our Lord, as our head, okay? The Bible said a wife should honor her husband and submit to him as her head. And so here's a couple practical examples of what to avoid, to watch out for. I, I see this happen. Uh, it means don't emotionally manipulate him. Wives, you have incredible power to emotionally manipulate your husband. You could be crying, sighing, yelling, giving the cold shoulder, complaining until you get your way. And you might eventually wear him down, but it will not work out the way you hoped. Don't talk bad about him behind his back to your friends or family. Oh, he's such a dummy. Oh, he can't do anything right. Oh, I have to do everything if I want it to get done. Don't put your family you grew up in ahead of your husband. Right? When you got married to him, he became your first priority. He takes first place. His wishes come before your family's wishes. Not on that subject, don't go against his wishes when he's not around. I've seen wives do this, like, well, I know my husband wants me to do this, but he's not here, so I'm going to do that. It's not honor. Don't talk lustfully about or flirt with other men. <laughs> Obviously, our culture thinks that's cute, like, oh, Chris Hemsworth, he's so dreamy. It's not honoring to do that in front of your husband, and I don't think you would like it if he talked about other women that way in front of you or watched them walk by, right? Don't use demeaning nicknames for each other, or put each other down. <laughs> I love you, fart face. <laughs> I love you, butthead. Oh, I, uh, you're so sweet, stinky, right? Oh, come over here, dum-dum, right? Like, names are powerful. Names are powerful. You should call your husband a name that reflects the kind of man you want him to be. You can call him Superman, or Studley, or Sexy, or Rico Suave. Pick your... Pick your name. 
When we dishonor God, it results in our own suffering. And when a wife dishonors her husband, it brings hardship on her. I know some ladies might be here right now like, I thought you were going to talk about the men. (laughs) I'm getting to it, right? But it doesn't do any good to teach men how to be leaders if their wives won't follow them. Okay, so now we're going to talk to the men, and the tone is going to reflect that. And ladies, you're welcome to listen in, but uh, this is really directed towards the men. Ephesians 5, verse 25 says, For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, so here we go. Husbands, how do you love your wife like Christ loved the church? None none of us are perfect. None of us are going to do this perfectly all the time. But I'm going to give you some practical examples of what this looks like. If you do these things, you can rest with comfort knowing I am being a godly, loving husband. And if you are failing at some of these things, you can repent and receive forgiveness and do better. So this sermon isn't to beat you down, but to build you up. You tracking? Okay, I'm going to give you two big ideas. Here's the first one. A loving husband leads his wife. God designed a husband to lead his wife. What that means is that a wife cannot lead her husband. She can support him. She can advise him but she cannot be the leader of the family. She can manipulate him and control him, but she can't be the leader because God made him the leader. So husbands, that means if you fail to lovingly lead your wife, you're withholding something from her that only you can give her. As the husband goes, so goes the family. A godly, healthy husband will usually have a healthy family. A bad leader will usually have a dysfunctional family. Some of you guys are thinking like, well, I want to leave my wife, but I'm not sure that she'll follow me. Okay, first off, you cannot force her to submit to your leadership because forced submission is oppression. Jesus does not force us to submit to him. He gives us the choice to willingly submit to him. And submission is voluntary. It's her choice. Some of you guys, your wife might struggle to follow you at first because uh, up until not that long ago, you lived like a fool. And you need to start by acknowledging that that is your fault. Don't blame her. Don't make excuses. Boys make excuses. Men take responsibility. So if you have lived a jacked up life and created a jacked up family, uh, take responsibility and realize it's going to take some time to reset that and rebuild it. Your first step as a godly husband, maybe that's today, might be to repent to your wife. And ask for forgiveness for failing to lovingly lead her. That's one of the most manly things you can do. Is apologize to your wife when you've legitimately done something wrong. And just say, I've let you down. Please forgive me. I pledge to you that from this day forward, I'm going to lead you and love you like Christ loved the church to the best of my ability. I won't always do it perfect, but I am going to try my hardest. The good news, guys, is that a godly woman wants to follow her husband. And as you start to lead her well, she's going to trust you more. 
and it'll get easier for both of you. One of the most common things I hear uh, as feedback from Christian wives is, I want my husband to act like the spiritual leader of our family. And a lot of guys are thinking like, yeah, totally, cool, but how do I do that? That's a good question. It is a good question. So I want to talk about that. Um, being a strong, bold, godly leader, it's not just going through a task list. It's not just what you do. It's also who you become personally. But I want to give you three tangible things you need to do as the spiritual leader of your family. You need to lead your family to worship God, talk to God, and honor God. Here's the first thing. Lead your wife to church. That's where you say, let's go to church and worship the Lord. Listen, you're not a good husband if your wife has to drag you to church. You're failing as the leader of your family if your kids come to you on Saturday and ask you, are we going to church tomorrow? They should be surprised if you're not. Not surprised when you are. A bold man puts God at the top of his family's priority list. Like in Psalm 122, David wrote, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. As the leader of his family, he was saying, guess what, guys? We're going to church, and you're not just going. You're going to like it, too. Men, you'll never become a man after God's own heart like David if you avoid God's house. When you get to church, okay, that's half the battle. Now you need to lead your family at church. See, in, in the Bible, men would lead the community and lead their families in worship. They were the first to worship. They sang the loudest. They worshiped the hardest. But in a lot of churches today, you see women worshiping while a lot of guys just stand there looking bored and disinterested. A lot of guys worship like this, just leading their families. That's actually how a lot of you dudes worshiped uh, just a few minutes ago. Just kind of like, oh. And then what you tend to see is the wife follows in the husband's footsteps a lot of times, or she worships and feels like she's in this alone. And, and what, do you, what do you know? The, the, the kids are going to follow dad's lead. And, and so you stand there during praise and worship, not singing, not clapping, not shouting, not raising your hands, but just staring, looking at your watch. And then your family's takeaway is, wow, he's not very passionate about God. Like he might have made us come to church, but it looks like he doesn't want to be here. And then your kids will usually follow in your apathetic footsteps. That is a failure of leadership. A non-worshipping man robs glory from God, gives anxiety to his wife, and models apathy for his children. A worshipping man gives glory to God and peace to his wife and models passion for his children. Some guys are like, well, I'm worshiping in my heart. No, you don't get to worship God the way you want. He's the boss. You worship God the way he wants to be worshiped. And he told us how he wants to be worshiped in the Bible. In Psalm 134, it says, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. It blesses the Lord. In Psalm 47, it says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. 
The Bible doesn't just suggest we sing and clap and shout and raise our hands. The Bible commands us to do these things. Okay, I'm just keeping it real today. All right, we're not sugarcoating this. Men, how is your wife supposed to honor you as the leader of the family while you disobey God's word and refuse to honor him by worshiping the way that he commanded you to? How is your family going to trust you when you say you love God, but it looks like you don't even like him? So I actually took a picture of some of you worshiping at the 1030 service last week. Uh, Here's a couple of guys. Oh, Kip, you know, I love God in my heart. I just don't show it. I'm the strong, silent type. Then you got Bubba over there, giving it everything he's got, right? You men need to decide which one of these guys you're going to worship like. Some of you are like, oh, I don't really feel like it. That's just not me. Listen, a boy does what he feels like, but a man does what's right. A bold man says, I don't care what other people think about me. I'm going to lead my family right now. I'm going to praise the Lord the way that he deserves with passion. I'm going to express my love to God for how he has loved me. Because you know your wife and kids need to see you worshiping the Lord. That's leadership. Here's the next thing. Uh, Lead your wife in prayer. That's where you say, honey, let's pray. Let's bring our needs to the Lord. Some guys are like, oh, geez, that's awkward. I don't know if I could do that. Listen, dudes, I bet the first time you had sex with your wife, that was awkward too. But you were willing to keep trying, weren't you? It's the same with prayer. The more you do it, the more natural it will become. Here are some practical guidelines for how to lead your wife in prayer. Pray every day, keep it short. If you miss a day, do it today. Just do it every day and then keep it short. It doesn't have to be this long prayer. Once I started just making it a point, hey, just keep it short, I started praying with my wife way more often. And some of you wives, especially like you really super spiritual wives, uh, don't judge your husband for not praying long enough. You should be thanking God that he's leading you in prayer at all. And then... If you miss a day, okay, just do it today. Don't say like, oh, man, I haven't done that for a while. The fact that you just thought that, like God's reminding you, pick back up, keep going. Get back on the horse and try again. Here's how you do this, guys. Like you don't have to make a big deal out of it. Uh, you know, hey, honey, um, I know like I haven't been a great husband, but could I uh, lead you in prayer? No, you don't need to do that. You just grab her by the hands. Just come here, grab her hands. Let's pray. And you just say, thank you, God, for my, for my wife, for my family, for what you blessed us with. We love you. We pray for your peace in our homes. We pray for your protection on our family. Uh, guide us and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. You just did it. it. It might be because something's happening and your wife is getting worried. Let's pray, honey. Let's just take this need to God. It might be because something really good just happened and you're celebrating. And so... You say, come on, let's, let's pray, honey. Let's thank God. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. We love you. It might be because you were arguing. And you know if you keep going down this road, it's going to escalate and get worse, and you're going to say things you'll regret. You know how to reset that moment? Honey, let's pray. 
God, I thank you for my wife, even though she makes me crazy sometimes. <laughs> Help me to love her better, right? That's leadership. Here's the next thing. Lead your wife in tithing. This is where you say, let's honor the Lord by putting him first. I heard a lot of guys just like, ooh. Tithing happens with money, but it's all about authority. In Proverbs 3.9, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Who doesn't want bursting vats? So hear me on this, husbands. If you're not tithing, then your family is out of order because God is not in first place in your finances. Your finances are the most tangible representation of God's place in your home. It's one thing to say you love him with your mouth, but your wallet shows where your priorities really lie. In Matthew 23, Jesus said, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Ryan's translation Tithing is JV, bro. That's like Christianity 101. You should do that, yeah. But that's just the beginning of following Jesus. If you're not tithing, you're just taking. Boys take from a family. Men contribute to a family. And the church is God's family. In Malachi 3, God said this, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. That's not Pastor Ryan saying that. That's God speaking through his word. But you ask, how are we robbing you? God says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then look at this. It's not just followed with a threat, but a promise of blessing. Test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So what does this look like? Tithing is bringing God the first 10% of your income. You get a paycheck and God gets the first 10%. You make profit on a deal, the first 10% belongs to God whether you give it to him or not. Some of you rob God and you keep his money in your checking account and spend it on yourself. You're robbing God. But when you bring God the first 10%, that belongs to him. You honor him, and that puts him in a position where he's allowed to bless you the way he wants to. He cannot bless you when you rob him. And I often hear wives who will say, I want to tithe, but my husband won't let me. Really what she's saying is I want to honor God, but my husband won't lead me. And, And sometimes I'll even hear a husband say, I want to tithe, but my wife won't let me. And I I would say to that guy, you don't need to get your wife's permission. You need to get a backbone and start leading your family. The reason you're... That was a good point. (laughs) The reason that some wives will struggle with this is because the husband has not led her in this area and it has caused her to feel anxiety over finances. But when a husband tithes He puts God first in charge of his family's finances, which brings God's blessing on his family. And watch, as he continues to honor God this way, his wife grows in faith while she sees God continue to provide for her. 
A non-tithing husband, hear me, robs God and brings his family out from under God's blessing. Instead of growing in trust for God, his wife grows in fear of the unknown. Think about this. Just be practical for a minute. Fighting about money is one of the leading causes for divorce. Everybody knows that. Do you think it might make sense to put God in charge of your money? This is how you do it. When you tithe, men, you can look at your wife and say, don't worry, honey, I've put God in charge of our finances. I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to do my best, but God's in charge. And when he's in charge, we can't fail. We're going to be okay because God promised to take care of us in his word. That is leadership. And if you're not doing this, the time to start doing it is now. Here's the next big idea. Big idea part two. A loving husband cares for his wife. It says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I'm going to explain this a little bit more. What does it look like to care for your wife? Well, a caring husband honors. This is the heart posture. This is where you say to your wife, You are precious to me, and I'm going to act like it. Honoring her as the weaker vessel, it's not a put down. It's implying that she is special and precious, so you should handle her with care. You might throw your thermos in the back of the pickup truck, but you handle a wine glass with care because it's special and it's delicate. The same is true of your wife. You don't roughhouse her. You don't tease her meanly. You don't boss her around and yell at her. In Colossians 3.19, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, are you harsh with your wives, with your wife? Hopefully you only have one. <laughs> We're not that kind of church. Do you yell at her? Some of you guys do. Some of you men would go berserk if another man talked to your wife the way you do. Some of you treat strangers with more kindness than your own wife. Do you realize that you, when, when you mistreat your wife, you can forget asking for God's help in any part of your life? That's what 1 Peter 3, 7 says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. In other words, if you're mistreating God's daughter, he is not going to help you. You might as well just save your breath. Your wife is God's daughter, and he is always watching. And if you mess with his daughter, he's going to jack you up. And I just want to say to any wives that might be in the church, if your husband is abusing you or mistreating you or even being harsh with you and he doesn't stop after this week, you need to come and get help. You need to come talk to a pastor. You need to come get help from a godly man in this church. We have a lot of strong men in this church, and we have a lot of guns in this church. We will protect you.
One of the ways that you honor your wife is by staying faithful to her. By being faithful. Listen, guys, watching porn at 1 a.m. with your pants around your ankles isn't being faithful. When you got married, you promised to forsake all others. That means you become a one-woman man. You don't watch other women walk by. You don't get a side piece. It's like when the snowbirds come to Arizona during the winter, I pray that they'd be one-lane drivers. (laughs) Just pick a lane, please. You picked your wife. You need to stick with her. And listen, you're not honoring your wife when you treat her like a mistress. Some of you are living together and you're not married. You're just playing house. You've been coming to this church for a while and you've heard me say it a hundred different ways. Real gently. Let me be a little bit more clear. Some of you are sinning against God by having sex with his daughter outside of marriage. You're living together, you're sleeping with your girlfriend, you know it's a sin, but you're stringing her along. We'll get married someday. We'll set a date three years from now, when I graduate, when I get promoted, when Dogecoin moons, then it'll be time. Stop it. You're a thief. You're acting like a con man. It's time to make it right. You're taking advantage of God's daughter who put trust in you. Make it right. Commit or quit. Don't take what doesn't belong to you. And then I'll go to this next point. A caring husband provides and says, it's my joy to serve you. Uh, A lot of guys, I think, get the, the money aspect of this, that they're called by God to provide for their families in one way or another. But your wife has more needs that she needs you to provide. Uh, in 1 Peter 3, 7, it said, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Some guys will throw their hands up and be like, Oh, women, who can understand them? It's your job to understand her. A lot of you guys will spend more time researching your fantasy football lineup than trying to figure out what your wife needs. Oh, women, who can understand them? God commands you to live with your wife in an understanding way way. You need to study her. You need to figure her out. You need to understand what she needs. Here are some examples. She needs emotional connection and intimacy. You need to open up to her and share your feelings with her. I had a hard time doing this when we got married. It was hard for me because I had this fear that if I showed emotion in front of my wife that I would look weak to her. I found out that's not true. She actually loves it if I cry in front of her. Who would have figured? She doesn't think less of me. She feels closer to me. Here's another thing. She needs sexual satisfaction. Some guys are like, man, I wish my wife wanted to have more sex. She might if it was satisfying for her. Research generally shows that women are just as interested in having satisfying sex as men. So, bro, if that's not happening, you need to buy a book. And figure it out. It'll be worth your time. She needs undivided attention. That means if she asks you to put your phone down, put your phone down and look at her. She needs non-sexual affection. So affectionate touch, holding her hand, hugging her. Tell her she's pretty. Give her compliments. She needs appreciation. So tell her thank you for what she does. Don't take it for granted. Anything you take for granted will eventually leave your life. 
Tell her, thank you for taking care of me, for taking care of the kids, for working hard. She needs help. She needs your help. And you might divide roles and responsibilities at your house based on your situation, but a loving husband is always willing to help because he's loving his wife like Christ loved the church. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. She needs her kids to have a father. She could be the best mom in the world, but she makes a terrible father. Only you can be a father. So your wife might be the primary caretaker, but that does not excuse you from parenting. You're still responsible for disciplining your kids and discipling them. Here's the next thing. A caring, a caring husband protects. He says, it's my duty to protect you. Like Ephesians 5 made this example. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Look at this. He gave up his life for her. That means if you're on the Titanic and there aren't enough lifeboats for everyone, uh, women and children go first and the man goes down with the ship. If a bullet's coming her way, man, you put your body in front of the bullet for her. And I'll say this, I know a lot of guys are like, well, of course, I'll, I'll protect my wife. But let me just be really honest. You can't protect your wife if you're a weakling. Like, I know we get older, our bodies start to fail us. Some people have disabilities, right? But to the best of your ability, you need to make an effort to get in shape, exercise, lift weights, do cardio. Like, I, I think to myself on days I don't feel like working out, I want to make sure I could at least carry my wife out of a burning building and hopefully look good doing it. But seriously, you only benefit from trying to get in shape, right? You're going to feel better. You're going to live longer. Your body's going to hurt less. Your wife's going to want to have sex with you more. It's a win-win. Uh, you also need to protect your wife from members of your own family. Like maybe your own mother-in-law or her mother-in-law. Uh, maybe other family members. It's okay to be a mama's boy when you're a boy, but you can't be a mama's boy and a bold man. Your wife comes before your mama. What she wants comes first. If your family disrespects your wife, you need to defend her and lay down boundaries to protect her. A loving husband's motto is this, anyone who cannot respect my wife cannot be in my life. And that's true even if it's your own flesh and blood. And then lastly, a caring husband cultivates. Your love allows your wife to flourish. So I know some guys were like, but bro, my wife is a real piece of work. And that might be true, but you made her that way. To cultivate is this. It's to foster the growth of, to improve or refine by labor, care, or study, to further or encourage. So the word husband is connected to the word husbandry, which is an agricultural term for care and cultivation of plants and livestock, right? It's this idea that a loving husband cultivates his wife. You plant, you water, you prune, you protect, right? And then if you do those things, your wife can grow and she will generally flourish. I can meet a wife and I can usually tell within five minutes if his husband is loving her well because it's just so obvious that she's flourishing, it doesn't mean life is perfect, right? But, but she's getting stronger. She's got confidence. She's got strength. She has peace in her heart because her husband is loving her well. And your wife, husbands, is the result of your leadership. 
if you don't like the wife you've got, it's time for a change. It's not trading her in for a new model. It's looking in the mirror and you start leading her and loving her better. And I would say, honestly, for me, this is the thing I'm the most proud of as a man. My greatest achievement is not the growth of this church over the last 10 years. It's the growth of my wife. That she's become stronger and more confident and bolder. God gets most of the credit for that, but I get some credit too. A loving husband has a flourishing wife. And a flourishing wife is a lot more fun to live with. So it's in your own best. That's why I said in Ephesians 5, he who loves his wife loves himself. It's in your own best interest. Ecclesiastes 9 says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. And if you love her, you will enjoy her a lot more. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Isn't that true? If it doesn't feel like your wife is your reward, you probably need to change the way you lead. I know for some guys this message could be really challenging. It probably is for a lot of us. For some of you, it might be really comforting. Like, man, I am doing a good job. I wasn't really sure. And the good news is this, man, we aren't here to beat you down, make you feel bad. We're here to build you up and encourage you that you can do better. We'll help you. We'll walk beside you. We'll encourage you along the way. Some of you are like, I didn't even know how to be a husband. I never had a good example. Well, thank God for his word. He lays it out for us. And thank God for the example of Jesus who modeled it for us. And I would encourage you, you need to get some godly men in your life who can encourage you and help you to grow in this area. If you need help, then get help. Guys are willing to pitch in and help you and support you. I want to bring this message to a close. We're going to do a couple things. First, we're going to do this. We're going to take a moment. If you're here, you heard me talking about submitting to Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's by submitting to him that you can begin to experience his blessing in your life. Some of you might realize right now in this moment that you've been calling yourself a Christian, but you've never fully submitted your life to Jesus. And maybe today you realize you need to do that for real, possibly for the first time. And so I want to lead you first in that. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. If you're here, you need to pray to accept Jesus today and submit your life to him and accept him as your Lord and your Savior. Then pray this with me. Just be confident in this moment and open your heart up to God. Say, God, I ask you to save me. I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I trust that he alone can save me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that through Jesus' blood, I am forgiven. I believe Jesus rose again. And in him, I have victory. Lord, I ask you to lead me. I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen.